Welcome to the After Magazines Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bruno, coming at you from my home here in beautiful South Orange, New Jersey. This week we're speaking with Mr. Josh Wolk, another former Entertainment Weekly colleague of mine. Uh, Josh was also the first, I believe, uh, editorial director officially named at New York Magazine's Vulture. Did that for a few years after EW. Very cool gig, won some awards, did a lot of great work. I think during what a lot of us consider sort of the heyday of Vulture, which was the envy of all entertainment journalism for a while, no joke. Um, I say that as someone who worked in it myself. Uh, after that, went over to Yahoo, did that for a couple of years and ran some of their entertainment content. Towards the end of that stint, started thinking about some other things. He was a writer at heart and kind of felt that he'd moved away from some of the things that made him fall in love with the business. Began taking some gigs, doing some consulting and working for the actual studios that he'd been covering and using some of his knowledge and expertise as someone that knew how to connect with an audience around a show, around a movie, and started going straight to the studios and saying, hey, I can help you create the content and we'll push it direct to the audience. What started out as kind of a part-time gig turned into a full-time thing. He's now the founder of his own company called Fixate Digital, an entertainment marketing consulting company. He's been doing that for about the last 18 months. And I really think he kind of sets a, a template that a lot of people um, covering an industry as a journalist, as a magazine journalist, can follow in terms of kind of going over to the source and taking a job working directly for them. Um, Josh is a guy that really understands high quality editorial. He's been in it. He values it. He's made it. He's done it for a long time. And I think a lot of people in the After Magazines community will relate to and understand his, uh, his decision to leave the business, to move on and try something else because he kind of felt like he was spinning his wheels given where his heart was and where his interests lied. Um, and how that was connected to a magazine business that had changed. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it on over. Here is Mr. Josh Walk. So I'm here with Josh Walk. He has left the magazine business and launched his own entertainment and marketing consultancy business, Fix8 Digital. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Hey, hi, Mike. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. It's I've been really looking forward to talking with you about this and uh, letting folks know about this uh, this business you did, which was kind of a natural extension out of some of the entertainment stuff you were doing as an editor. We crossed over. We have a shared history over at Entertainment Weekly, um, and then you were the editor of Vulture for a while. After that, it was kind of a natural extension about that. But why don't you kind of quickly just sort of tell us uh, what is Fixate Digital and what do you do? Uh, Fixate Digital, it is exactly an extension of what I did for many years in entertainment journalism. Is I, I work with mostly TV networks and streaming platforms to create um, digital content about their shows to go online. And for social, it's basically videos that uh, get pop culture fans' attention because it talks to them in the same way we got their attention uh, on in Vulture and Entertainment Weekly. Sure. So you're actually working with the shows and working with is it, is it television is it all television it's mostly television i've, I've done some work with um movie uh, uh movie companies as well but right now it's mostly television yeah cool cool so let's walk through uh your magazine history a little bit if you don't mind i mean i i, I ran through a couple of the things um entertainment weekly and i know vulture and yahoo and some other things but let's kind of take it back i mean where did you start out? What got you in the business? You know, what, where, what were you thinking and how'd you get into that, that line of work? 
Yeah, I uh, I basically well, when I first moved uh, to New York after college, I really I really wanted to get into television, and I spent about four years working on some really terrible television um and not even like not even like campy like oh my god you worked on that show it was like shows that nobody would give a shit about it was i worked <laughs> on uh my first job was at lifetime but i worked on lifetime medical television so i worked on the uh <laughs> i worked on the tv show cardiology update which i'm sure you've seen uh <laughs> and then i um so I worked there for a while, and then I worked at another net, this network, uh, America's Talking, which is uh, completely forgotten, notable only because it was a Roger Ailes production. It basically uh, it was a sister station of CNBC. It was this all kind of rinky-dink talk uh, talk shows, uh, call-in talk shows, and it, it eventually kind of shut down and morphed into MSNBC. But that was kind of what drove me back into magazines. I had done you know a lot of writing in college. I had started a humor paper when I was at Tufts, and um, it kind of drawn me back. I was like, you know, instead of writing for these shows, I'd really kind of want to get back to writing for myself. And so I did journal. I did a year. I did the Columbia journalism program. And then I really had my, like I, all my classmates were really, you know, wanted to be the next Woodward and Bernstein or wanted to topple governments. And I really, I just was always fascinated with entertainment and I just had my eye on entertainment weekly. That was kind of my, my goal. And uh, I fact-checked at Vanity Fair for a year or a year and change and then was able to work my way into Entertainment Weekly. It was weird. as like I, 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 there was an opening at the magazine, but then they were kind of frozen for a while. And I found my, eventually found my way in as the first writer for EW.com. That was like 97. I was like, this is just this dumb fad. I'll just like use this as my way to get into <laughs> where all the action is to magazines. So uh, I uh, – I wrote for the, I, I was at the site for about two and a half years. And then I moved over to the magazine I was there in total at EW for about 12 years, yeah. um, as a writer and then became an editor edited the TV section. And then, um, yeah, then I, I got a call and I went over to, um, I was Vulture's first editorial director. So it was like, a, it was a little two person blog, three person blog, just one of their little sub verticals. And I really wanted to kind of blow it out and turn to its own site. So I went in there, I was there about five years and, you know, really beefed up the staff and we kind of relaunched it as an own site. And that was, that was just fantastic, fantastic experience. And, um, I was there for about five years and I had stayed so long at EW, I kind of didn't want to stay, get that comfortable. I mean, five years, it's not like I was, uh, right. I, I was just like at a brief landing, but after that, then I went to Yahoo for two years. They were having their kind of umpteenth relaunch of their editorial and they wanted this one during the marissa mayor days and uh so they anyway they were hiring a whole bunch of new writers to to relaunch things and i went to oversee their uh the, all their entertainment verticals and i was there about two years so i mean you really did get into it you like you said you had a did you say it was a comedy comic journal what was it when you were back in the day a uh oh, oh college i started like a, a campus humor paper humor paper that's right yeah i mean so you you were really for you, it was really writing before the journalism. I mean, journalism maybe came into it, but it was really more about writing, telling stories, right? I mean, that's what you like to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, frankly, I launched that, you know, I went to Tufts and I, it was so like just envy of what the lampoon had going just like 20 minutes down the 20 minutes down Mass Ave. I was just I I, uh, I had always why I mean, that was always the kind of writing I liked. So I started and, and uh ran that for the last two years I was there and loved it. And I always said Vulture was, uh, um, it was just, again, you're in this nice little, you know, this nice little, uh, cozy, you know, in college, you're in this nice little fantasy world where you can, whether you're working on a ma uh, magazine or the, or the radio station or whatever. And it's like, 
all the fun of doing that without any of the bullshit of actually having to be a viable business. And um, I, I kind of all oh, that was always the thing that I aspired to is that kind of um, collaborate, like working with a small team and that kind of collaboration, and everything. And the closest I ever found to that professionally was uh, was Vulture, because it was like, again, it was a small. It was just all about New York Magazine, you know, from Adam Moss, obviously, all all down. It's just all about quality. It's all about doing the best thing. And it was a small staff and we could kind of do whatever we wanted just in the pursuit of making sure it was, uh, had a high bar. And so it was basically the closest I came to that humor paper, except just a shitload more pressure right. and with, you know, with traffic targets and, and everything else that comes with it. Real time metrics to look at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even that was like, it was a relatively more, I mean, you know, it's like the equivalent of dog years. When you look at the internet, it was like that, that was, I was at vulture from like 2009 to 2014. And I look at some of the things we did, just in 2012 and just, yes, we had, you know, we had chart beat and everything to study metrics, but it wasn't nearly the kind of, um, traffic pressure that it blew up into that frankly makes writing for the internet kind of, you know, joyless these days, you know, that minute to minute targets. So you moved from entertainment weekly to, to vulture, which was obviously a digital only property, but it was underneath the New York mag, uh, sort of flag and Adam Moss was involved and, um, you know, obviously it was, there, it was a move, but I guess what I'm getting at is then you go over to Yahoo and was that, you know, was that kind of in your mind, you explained like, well, you were there for five years and you, you kind of felt like you didn't want to get too settled into a place for another 12. You wanted to move more frequently than that. But I mean, was it like, I'm going to go to Yahoo cause it's, it's kind of a move away from the magazine business. Was it that conscious? Was it still in, in, in content? I mean, what was the thinking in that move, which, you know, magazine, magazine, sort of digital, but then a digital peer play over at Yahoo? Yeah, I mean, I could see it's also a matter of like there were only so many places that I could see myself working. Like it's um, it was it's such a different world from, you know, like it, it, we used to be at Time Inc., you would you would settle in there and you know if you got burned out at Entertainment Weekly maybe you'd go over to Sports Illustrated for yep. a while or you know yep. or uh, Bob Brown but there was a certain of level and as things got sort of as digital took over it became more about you know it became more about volume than uh, um, than quality and so I, I kind of looked around it wasn't like oh there's all these other other places I'd like to go it was, uh, I, you know, it was, it was I, at that point I was kind of burned out after doing, you know, Vulture for five years. This looked interesting because it also looked like it was going to be, they really wanted to put, uh, um, a lot of resources into this. Uh, I would say it was sort of like it was New York magazine is the greatest and, you know, and was the greatest and, but it was all about doing the most you could for the least amount of money. And I, I don't really mean that as even a salary. It was just amount of like just the resources you had to get freelancers or anything. It's just, it's not a deep pocketed because it's independent. It's not a deep pocketed organization. Sure. And Yahoo was coming saying like, Oh, you know, they've got like money flying out of the couch, <laughs> couch cushions. And they were a, a giant tech company. Um, and it was interesting, but it was also, I mean, it was just, it seemed like a kind of completely different scale of something that I wanted to try. Um, and it's, uh, but you know, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the editorial history and bones that a New York magazine does. So it's, you know, they've got a lot more resources, but they don't have the kind of, uh, um, they don't have the kind of like 
when you go, you're dealing with any of these tech, tech companies, you're dealing with a place where product is king versus editorial. You know, uh, uh, New York Magazine, everything is in service of the editorial. Um, and uh, if, when you go to a tech company, it's kind of the reverse of that. Like, it's all about the business and the product. People kind of dictate what sure. the priorities are going to be. So it was uh, it was certainly interesting. And that's, you know, increasingly the way a lot of things are going. But it was, you know, I, to be honest, that's kind of what sparked this idea of Fixate is is I saw, you know, what Yahoo does is it kind of has all these quote unquote partners, which are all these other sites that it sucks up into its feed. So, we're, you know, we were doing our own original content, but it's also um, pulling in. I mean, eventually it was EW, but Rolling Stone and Uproxx and, and the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline and The Wrap and all these things. So you look down the feed and you see these things and um I kind of looked down and I'm like, holy shit, like everybody's covering the same thing. Like you figure every, every blog is like 75% chasing aggregation, you know, chasing whether it's trailers or news to rewrite and all these things. And, uh, holy shit, the new star Wars, uh, trailer drops and, uh, here's, uh, settle back gang. We're going to, you know, pull all the Easter eggs out. And like yeah. when a big trailer would go, you would see just the same post pop up 60 times. And that's really what kind of also struck me as I was just like, you know, as entertainment journalists, we all know how to get um, uh, readers, uh, like a pop culture fan's attention. We all know, like, th that's our job. Like, our job is to get traffic, so our job is figuring out how to address a topic, how to, like, get at a topic in a way, how to do an interview with a star, how to do anything in a way that's going to make, you know, an entertainment fan sit up and take notice. And yet so many times I would see the, the you know, the official, you know, e electronic press kit or EPK stuff come out. These videos that the the networks or something would come out where it's just like, you know, the stars sitting on a director's chair speaking really earnestly in these sound bites. And not only would I be like, well, that's really boring and nobody wants that. But I would, you know, I'm sure you saw the same thing. Every once in a while, like a, a studio would call up and say, oh, we've got this bonus thing with this bonus feature and this great interview. And every once in a while you'd put it up and you would see that like, wow, the readers just don't want like they it's like they can tell within the first second that this is an EPK, that this is like that they're being sold to and they just walk away like they know not to click on it. Right. So, yeah. So I just said, like, well, I can work with I know how to get pop. I know what they want. And I know what they don't want. So I basically been working on the other side with the shows about like, all right, you've got a new TV show here's the kind of content you can make that's actually going to get people's attention, you know, especially considering how much stuff is like people are getting thrown at them on their social media feeds. So how are they, so you're helping them create this content. I mean, are you basically helping them put out a souped up EPK? I mean, how are you distributing the content that you're making to, and to whom are you distributing it, et cetera? Well, it's all sort of, and mostly everything is, you know, social and YouTube these days. Yep. So it's, you know, the idea of them built again, like the idea of the old space jam days of somebody building a vanity website for their, you know, for their, for their movie or show is pretty much gone. So it's just about creating this individual content that's going to get shared. So it's, um, you know, it's it, at Vulture, we would sit there or, and I'm sure at EW and everywhere you look at a movie or you look at a TV just cause coming out and just, it's like planning your coverage. You're like, okay, what are we going to do? to lead up to this show, whether it's a new show or a returning show, uh, what kind of content we're we going to do, who are we going to interview and how are we going to interview and what kind of things are we going to do? And, and it's going to get people's attention and it's the same kind of thing. And also, frankly, in the same way that like all these sites are aggregating, um, you know, 
we see it. Everybody aggregates the same, uh, whether it's Instagram picture. I like one of the things I, I used to, I used to joke that, uh, um, I want to start a company called like want to trend. And if a celebrity like ever felt like trending that day, they would just call me up. I'd sit at home. They'd call me up like, I want to trend today. And I would just based on knowing what every site turns into a news story, I would just say like, why don't you do this? And, and the, the, the first question I'd ask, we're like, were you on a sitcom in the nineties or the aughts? And they'd be like, well, yeah, I was like, all right, just have everybody over to your house for a barbecue and take a picture and put it on Instagram. <laughs> Cause it's insane. Like, look at like that. It was just it happened with the office and the fresh prints. And yeah. you, you just Google that. And there's like 10 pages of Google results, just all like the fresh prints, you know, got back together and it was amazing. And like, and we're still <laughs> breathless and we're still all that. And, I know it sounds really cynical, but it's also just the what, you know, entertainment sites have turned into. And it's it's if you see something once, you're going to see it a thousand times. So it's a matter of like helping them figure out, okay, what kind of video is going to is going to uh, um, kind of push the push their and I push their buttons makes it sound like I'm like you pawns. But it's more like, you know, push your excitement buttons uh, as to what people, you know, what entertainment fans respond to because they basically spent almost 20 years you know, trying to get the retention. Well, it's marketing, isn't it, Josh? I mean, what you're talking about is saying, here's a product. How do we get people's attention, get them excited about the product? It's basic marketing. You happen to learn it sort of from the other end of creating content basically off of what they were giving you, how they were marketing or helping them market it from the journalistic point of view as a, as, as a magazine person. But what you're doing is marketing. You're, you're, it's not, it's not like a, a scam. It's just saying what's going to capture people's attention and get them excited about this product. Yeah. And, and it's the way I think marketing comes from, a, from a different way, which is they're like, I always tell them like, listen to what pop culture fans want. Don't try to tell them what you want them to want. You know, it's right. that idea like so many, and it's funny because even as like, you know, when I was a writer for entertainment weekly, I would go on, I, I would have these go into an interview with this list of questions and everything. And so many questions I would ask, and granted they were all in the service of a, of a, uh, like a larger feature or something. So I wouldn't necessarily include it, but these kind of rote questions you ask that you start to realize on the internet, like, Oh, nobody, we just asked that out of muscle memory. Like who, who cares? Like are all, all the kind of cliches, like you ask a, you know, ask Charlie, what made you decide to do this project? It's like, well, who cares? Like, I mean, like, like maybe one out of 10 times will have an interesting story about it, but usually it's a story about like, you know, I got delivered these scripts and I got delivered a lot of scripts, but this one, I just, I, I just vanished into my room. I couldn't put it down. I went out and I told my wife or my husband, like, I got to do this thing. It's like, it's always the same story or they did it or they did an animated movie, animated movie. And they're like, uh, I just want to do something my kids could see for once. And, uh, part of what, I got bored with is a lot of, you know, a lot of entertainment people, again, ask the same questions. And, uh, the, the, um, like, it's just like, well, the, you know, the theme of this movie is blank. It's like, nobody's ever gone to a movie because they heard it had a good theme. Like it just becomes this thing to like ask and talk about. And, uh, it, it there's this weird thing that, uh, um, that, uh, ha this weird, this weird thing that happened where recently, like somebody started it. I don't know who the patient zero was, but it, it, it wasn't one of those Chicago fire sh shows, but they talked about like, uh, you know, well, such like really, uh, let's say Milwaukee is really like the third character in this movie. Like they always talk about how the city is really like a third character in it. And, uh, and I'm always like, nobody, like nobody cares. It's kind of like looking at the bubble in political coverage. It's like, nobody is like, 
oh, you say the city is like a character? Well, then now you've got my attention. Like, no, but but it, you feel like that was like an in-house pitch to like the network and it got like let loose in the wild somehow. And, and uh, now it's out there, but no, and keeps getting asked and, and cited. So it's just about figuring out like, and again, I don't do it cynically because I also, I, I, this is why I got into, why I wanted to go to Entertainment Weekly. I've always loved pop culture and loved taking it kind of, seriously as opposed to like the celebrity side of it and uh so i kind of like to look at like all right what do i care about what and, and how do how would i talk to a fellow you know fan about this so i mean you were entertainment weekly in the late 90s and you know for 12 years i mean what what and it's not even necessarily just entertainment weekly i think you've you've been pretty clear that it, it's definitely not it's more entertainment media i think a lot of what you're saying about entertainment media goes for others too i mean when covering politics you know it's there's a million people that are covering the same thing and how do you catch their attention it isn't always with the most clever sometimes it's with the throw the word trump in whatever angle you're taking on whatever story and everyone's going to click it but you know from your your vantage was at entertainment weekly when you're there and, and into vulture i mean what what changed what do you think changed that made it seem so I don't know, so much more, is it just competition? Is it just the barrier to entry? There's just so many other players. I mean, kind of what changed from what you were doing in the late 90s into what you were doing in the late aughts? Well, I think, first of all, it's it's A, the internet, and it's B, just how many, like the barrier to entry to start a website is so low. Mm-hmm. It's just, just too many, like, it's, it's um you know, at Entertainment Weekly, it was, I mean, there was Premiere just doing movies, but there were, there yep. were not, when Entertainment Weekly launched, and I wasn't there then, but it was really the only place kind of taking it seriously, other than, you know, the New York Times art section or whatever, and it had like more of a snarky kind of almost like spy tone to it and, and look to it, but it was the only place kind of taking Entertainment Weekly, uh, Entertainment seriously, and I mean, that's why I loved it. So, but the competition was, the competition wasn't really people. The competition wasn't, um, um, you know, even the old Us magazine or Rolling Stone was mostly music and Us was more celebrity interviews um, before the Bonnie Fuller years. So there wasn't that much competition. There's just, obviously there wasn't an, an internet. Um, and with the internet, it's just like, cause like I mentioned, like the dog ears thing, even in 2000, I mean, this is crazy to me when I would look at like the Breaking Bad years in like 2010, 2011, we would, you know, we, we, cause you know, AMC would send out these issues a day, um, you know, three, a week in advance, uh, each episode and we would see it and we'd be like, wow, we should really talk to Vince Gilligan and really do like this deep dive on it. And we were probably the only person talking to him. So we put it up like the show would air from 10 to 11 and, uh, 1101, we put it live and it would do really well because we would like really make sure to answer all the questions people wanted. And now showrunners, like they probably have a, a call sheet like a mile long. You see them all talking and all the headlines go out. So-and-so talks about that twist or so-and-so talks about that death. And and yep. like everybody is talking to them because everybody's chasing the same traffic. And traffic, you know, also magazines, you had your circulation. Like, all right, our circulation is a million. That's fine. That's great. We, we pull in money for ads. Our, our circulation is one. Let's let's stick with that. And let's keep our readers happy. Um, whereas there's no ceiling to nobody has a traffic ceiling right now. It's always like, okay, great, you made 10, 10, 10 million uniques. Now give us twelve million uniques. Um, right. There's no there's no ceiling to it. There's no like, okay, good. Now hold. Let's let's. It's always got to get more and more and more. 
and the sites like I, I feel te- like uh, it's that sad thing that I think everybody with magazine feels is uh, magazines feels a lot of you know as these sites get shut down or these sites slow down and somebody will will put on and be like so many good people lost hire these people you know blah 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 and there's just there's not room for everybody because there were, there were too many sites, like too many places for the very reason that like there's a million people putting out, um, covering the same trailers and everything there does the world need that, that that many sites. And there's a lot of sites, frankly, that are not very good. And, um, you know, that, that's the other, you know, entertainment weekly. It's so crazy. It feels like this, this, this precious world where we would put out one magazine once a week and sometimes for two weeks, uh, those were some of the most fun and the, and like I worked with the smartest people. And I really have, I just have the greatest memories. And it seems what I remember when I first got that job, I had a friend who worked at GQ and he was like, Holy crap, you're going to work for a weekly. That's going to be nuts. And uh, I think of that and I'm like, Oh my God, I remember when we would like, we'd work really late on Tuesday to close. And then Wednesday we'd show up maybe 1130 and like stick around for a few hours and then go home and start again on Thursday. Um, like what a luxury, but it was, uh, um, right now you've got so many people all covering the same thing and all, you know, vulture, our goal was like, we want to be the smartest place we want. We want to really like anticipate everything you want to know and give it to, we want to do a deeper dive and everything. And now everybody has got the same aspect. Everybody is like parsing everything and like, you know, combing every frame of a trailer and everything for the, for the slightest thing and gifting everything. And, and it's just, we don't need, we don't, I mean, it's the same, like I said, it's the same in politics, same in everything. We don't need all this content. And there's, uh, unfortunately, since that bar is so low, a lot of the mills where people, um, but now, now I'm going to go to start like a real crank, but at EW, like the thing you learned was you learned you would have, you'd write the story, you'd hand it to your editor who would tear it apart, send it back to you. Then finally it'd be good enough for him or her. She'd pass it up to like the senior editor who would tear it apart again. And then it would get torn apart by like three more editors, uh, and then squeezed into a spot that it would fit. But that made you better. Like you got used to like having that kind of scrutiny, whereas increasingly in blogs, it's just, you know, it's just who's got time to look at anything and just throw it up. It's, it's, it's true. It's true. Um, you've, you know, you've had a very successful career. You, your EW run was, was great. You were the editor over at Vulture, I think during some of its, its finest hour. I mean, you guys won awards. Did you, you know, when, when you went into fixate or Yahoo or wherever it was, I mean, it didn't seem to, doesn't seem to me that it was that much of a like, fear that like, wow, how am I going to remain employable? But it was about following your interests or was it a little of both? I mean, I think a lot of people, some people are are forced to sort of make a decision because they're just finding I can't get work. I think other people are maybe jump out of it before because they think that that's going to come and wash over them. You know, where were you in terms of that? Was it, was it just like following your, what was going to trying to recapture what's going to make your heart sing? Or was there some fear about, geez, I don't know if I can stay in this industry for another 10 years. I mean, where, where, where was your head in terms of all that? It was, it was a little of both. Cause it was also really for, I mean, the same thing that, that gave me the idea for fixate digital, the idea of like seeing all this, like the sameness of it is also what made me feel like, I think I'm kind of done here. You know, I, I, I had no idea of, of, I had no desire to go back. And again, people's traffic targets were just getting higher and higher. And I had no desire to go and just crack the whip and, and, 
and just keep trying to find different ways to do it. I just, it's also, you know, I, I'd done it for so long. Uh, the idea of covering the waterfront just really didn't excite me um, much anymore. The thing I, the thing I really loved, the thing I loved doing most was working, you know, especially, I mean, I enjoyed writing, but really working with writers and, uh, um, you know, that feeling when you'd be like, oh, that idea is not quite right and throwing it around. And then all of a sudden, like finding what that idea was. And I was seeing that there wasn't, that that wasn't even possible anymore. Um, so the idea of like trying to scramble and go to another, go back to a place, I just felt kind of done. I still, I still loved it in a way, but I didn't love the way it had to be done now. So that, you know, and it was, and there was, but there was also that part of me being like, look, this is only going one way. Like these, these things aren't blossoming. These, you know, these sites and magazines are blossoming. Um, I'm getting older. I've got to figure out a way to, uh, um, I've got to stay relevant. So that was definitely in my mind as well. Um, so it was really, it was, it was reality and kind of my own fatigue. So tell me, let tell everyone, Josh, about how did you make it happen? I mean, we don't have to go through every step of the process, but when you came to that realization and I know, I remember having a conversation with you over coffee where you were thinking about it and I think it kind of dawned on you, but Walk us through that. And, I, you know, I really kind of want to get through because you, you've successfully done this and I want people to kind of hear what your process was and how you sort of decided what to do and then how you actually put into action a plan to make it happen. Well, it's funny because it, that's the other thing about it being a different world. Like in, in the magazine world and for a while, it was such a church and state thing about like, you know, marketing versus marketing versus editorial. And you were just ready to bristle every time marketing or salespeople came to you with an idea and you didn't want to, you'd had to stay pure. Um, and that has, I mean, everybody's seen that get kind of chiseled away at the edges with, with the reality of it. So I had this kind of a slight mental block or, or, you know, like entrenched mental thing about like, do I want to be in marketing? No offense to people who are in marketing. It's just like, I, you spend so many years being like marketing. I'm not a marketer. I'm like, I'm, I'm an iconoclast. I'm a, I'm a truth teller, <laughs> you know? And that's, and, but part of that came with that epiphany of really looking at all this thing. And, and that was the other thing is realizing like, you know what? Entertainment journalism kind of is marketing. I mean, even if like, you know, you take away, there's, there's obviously really smart criticism. There's really smart reporting on the industry, some really great like reporters in there, but the kind of the, the meat and potatoes of blogging ends up being a lot of like trying to get exclusives and try and like anytime you put up, Hey, the new photo from the new season is up. You're essentially doing the network's job for them. You're just, you, you know, you're touting these shows. It's all kind of getting people excited about somebody else's, um, uh, product. So that, that was kind of something that eased it. I was like, what, what have I been doing? And again, I, I, I don't at all want to imply that Vulture was, or, or Yahoo or, or, or entertainment weekly certainly were, or sellouts. It's just the, it's what entertainment journalism has kind of always been, um, or at least like 65% of it. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of had this idea and was thinking of like, I think it probably came to me once when I was just annoyed with uh, a video that got sent to me by a network or something and been like, nobody, you know, nobody, nobody wants to see this. And that's when it really clicked. And I think, you know, and other people I've talked to have kind of moved on to journalism. It's, it's, you, you have that idea when you leave like, but I only know this one thing, like I'm really good at this one thing and it's being taken away from me or it's vanishing. And like, I only know this one thing. 
And yet what we know is critical to so many other things, which is basically how to get people interested in things, how to tell an interesting story, how to uh, like how to uh, how to get people's attention. I don't mean that in a kind of uh, um, clickbaity way, although that's how to really connect with an audience around something. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like and especially you really learn that, as you know, in the digital age when it's it's. You know, at EW, there were so many times, you know, it's you think, well, the story, well, we've got this idea. Um, people would pitch stories like when I moved to Vulture, I'd be like, that's a magazine sidebar. That's not a story because like that's the kind of thing that a sidebar people will stop and see because they're already in the momentum of reading a story and it's right in their eye, like in their eye path. But that story cannot live on its own as its own headline. Right, right. Like it's not interesting. So, um yeah, so much of it is figuring out. Like you have to fight for attention every, like you have to fight for a new every single time. So all these things are really kind of valuable because it's not thinking like you, you can see the forest for the trees. It's not just like we want to sell this thing, so we're going to sell it regardless of if anybody cares about it because that's what we want them to care about. So. I'm just speaking about it in kind of a marketing perspective, but I think that those journalism skills are uh, you know, important in so many other things because you just know how to talk to people and you know how to make things interesting. Right. That, that realization sort of got you over the uh, kind of bias you had towards marketing only in the sense that really it's just semantics. I mean, your content creation, audience connection – in reality, it is the same thing. So you got to that point. Yeah, and then I was just, it was also the thing where it's like, I do this well. Like, I, I, I couldn't do this for sports. I don't know sports that well. It's like, right. but this is a world that I know, and it's essentially just a small tweak on what I was doing before. And uh, and I and I believed in it. Like, I believed in it in, in a sense of like, this is what you should be doing. It's kind of the things you wanted to, it's like every time you would call up a publicist and be like, I got this great idea for, uh, we're going to do this fun thing with the star. And they would be like, he really just wants to talk about the movie. I was like, well, nobody will read that. Like, cause he's talking to <laughs> 50 other places about the right. movie. It's just white. And noise. I know he's going to give me the same quote he gives to everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And, and people like, frankly, at this point it's becomes like white noise. People don't click on it. But if we do this idea, it's going to get people's attention. So it was, uh, and I'd be thinking, like, I don't know why to the public, like, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do this because it's just going to mean more attention, like, for your project. Um, it's not just selfishly. Um, I'm not trying to convince you of something that's not in your interest. So anyway, ha- having had that argument, you know, countless times over over whatever, however many years, um, I was like, this is, I can ma- I can make this case. And being from, it's like, you know, it's being from the other side and, and I can easily make this keys and believe in it. Like that's the thing is you come out of journalism and, and the hardest thing to do when you move to marketing, certainly for me, is is bullshit. Like I, I can't you're so used to that's one of the big differences in in like I found even in the tech world is you're so used to being able to spot bullshit. You know, you're so used to it because that's kind of your whole point is to is to stress test every story you write. And, you know, and or as an editor, stress test your story like, wait a minute, but this that seems kind of simplistic. What about this, that? And, you know, it's it's an annoying trait in an editor, but it's kind of what you do. So the idea of kind of trying to sell something that you're like, Ugh, this is this is horseshit or this this doesn't like doesn't interest me and just makes me feel kind of icky. But. I didn't feel like I was doing that with this. I'm like, look, these are just fun ideas. I'm not like, I'm not 
lying about prescription medicine. <laughs> this is like this is what this is what I would want to see. Uh, you know, the star of X show do. This is what I would want to see. Uh, like in a video about you know this new comedy. Um, it's kind of like it's the way my mind has always worked. So this is you know this is more the same. So what did you do? So you. you, you that's where your brain's at. You've got it. It's kind of coming crystallized. Now you have to go out and get clients, right? I mean, what did you do? Uh, I basically just did a lot of pitching, you know, it was like, I mean, again, I was lucky that I had a calling card, you know, it's like, which was, I was the, I was the original editorial director of Vulture and that carried weight with a lot of people and opened a lot of doors. So I was, you know, I wanted to be really careful that I wasn't I'd say I want to be really careful that I wasn't trying to work both sides. Uh, and like, so I had to really step back from entertainment because I didn't want to do anything creepy about like writing something critical about one thing while also working for somebody, you know, somewhere else. Um, so it was basically just, I kind of went cold Turkey and, uh, just started like having a lot of meetings. You know, I would go out to LA and, and just pitch and kind of walk people through it. And I'm, I'm, uh, when I got to Yahoo, everybody spoke in decks. Like every time they would, they would say like, well, can you put that in a deck for me? And all the editors and I would be like, we don't do decks. Like this is not, this is not, this is not our world. And after a while you realize like we're in a deck world and everything's got to, you know, speak through. You're used to over explaining something, frankly, and uh, you've got to under explain it. So it was an issue. Uh, it was a matter of, um, really figure, figuring out your kind of audience and speaking to them, but also being able to speak to my own experience, which was, I think they knew whereof I spoke, you know, it's like, look, all I do all day, you know what I did. And all I was doing was talking to the people that you want to go see your movie or you want to go see your show. So I had kind of credibility in that space. What are some of the, you know, at, by way of example, what are some of the projects you've done that you'd, you know, that you're most proud of or that best and or best exemplify what Fixate does for its clients. I mean, what are some good examples you could give to people so people really get a sense and, you know, tell us about the project and then also like where it lived. Did it live just on their own O&O and on their socials, et cetera? Yeah, I've been doing mostly kind of like these days as far as it's, it's a little intangible because it's kind of reviewing people's strategies. You know, I've gone in with a show yeah. with AMC for one of their new shows and they were they were working on some uh, ideas uh, when launching a new show and I sort of gave my feedback on it and then sort of my own ideas and explaining like, here's why, here's why this isn't going to work for those ideas. You know, we talked about earlier. It's like, this is, people don't actually care about this, this earnest talk. Here's how you can, here's, here's what people like about this star. And so this is why you should do this kind of video. So it was, it's really, it's, it's a lot of kind of going and analyzing their own strategy, but then giving my own corrections and kind of own ideas. Um, so as long as I did like an, uh, a social strategy for, uh, for the IFC network, I kind of like gave them, uh, uh, and did like sort of a workshop with their team about how they should be talking, how I recommended how they would talk to their audience to kind of better reflect their kind of quirky comedy, um, their quirky comedy programming and voice and how to hone that. So it's, it's a lot of kind of mercenary stuff, um, just coming in, whether network as a whole or, uh, or specific to a show. So, I mean, it's 2019 and you're finding that there's some company and it's no knock in any particular company. I think what it shows is that there's opportunity still as content creators who are used to, you know, gathering assets, finding sort of the nut of the story, being able to tell it in a way that's going to really connect with an audience using social. And 
there's a real opportunity to kind of help brands do that still. I think there really is. And I think that speaks to it. I mean, if you're talking about networks, you'd, but you're coming in and helping them with their social. So, I mean, are, are, are you finding that, that there's still a real opportunity to sit down with these guys and kind of just in some ways explain to them the core of what we've always done? Yeah, I think that is really what it comes down, it comes down to. I mean, even in, that's the thing is, it, you know, it, it's cause it's also what I saw in, uh, I mean, we, I'm sure we've both been a part of 15 different pivoting to videos or video pivots or whatever they were, you know, calling it. And again, that, that idea that nobody really wants to accept the idea of like, well, I think the, I think the answer to this problem is just more like, let's just do more videos right. and not think what actually people want. And it's, so you get a lot of videos cranked out there that are just that follow a same pattern of like, that could be a, a, you know, a middle segment on entertainment tonight, but, but have no relevance, you know, on the internet. Can't um, you guys just make a viral video? Just make a viral video. Yeah, that's the that's the tone, the bane of everybody's existence. Um, <laughs> yeah, and everybody. And then there's the question of like, well, why don't we have our own between two ferns? It's like you mean have our own original uh, idea with a, a very specific a guy with a very specific sensibility who's very funny. Sure, let's do that. But another t- between two ferns will not be that because it will be a you know a Xerox. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's the the more you're talking about it, Josh, and the more I'm thinking like, for you it was entertainment, but it seems to me like this could apply to, as you said, sports. It could apply to, I mean, in fact, I I know a gentleman who worked with him at Billboard. Um, actually, I worked with his wife, but I knew him as well. You know, he covered a sport for a long time, and then he took a job working for one of the teams, and you know, it's exactly the same thing. I mean, somebody who does beauty or anything, it, the the idea is just kind of thinking, well, y- you're 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 not even in control of what the thing you're covering is putting out in terms of content. You're just kind of trying to use that as a resource, right? And trying to mine it for what you can and put original spin on it. What if you went over there and you just said, hey, now I've actually controlling the reins. Let's tell good stories right from the source. It seems to me like a lot of folks at a lot of different types of publications could employ a similar strategy to you did and be able to make a, a similar move. Yeah, I, th- I absolutely think so. Um, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I'm still, I'm not doing anything I feel bad about. Like I'm not and like, and, and I'm, I am the first person to, uh, lie awake at night and really, and, and, you know, think over my, and doubt, you know, doubt my own, like, am I being honest with myself? Am I being like, are you really, can you feel good about this? And I absolutely can like, th- th- there's no sh- shame in this. It's also, and what we, what we, what I used to do doesn't kind of exist anymore. The, right. the, the, the kind of real purist stuff, it just, it just doesn't exist anymore. Um, and so, uh, this is doing some, doing, doing what I kind of love and it's, and it's creative. That's, that's the thing I, you know, especially obviously, you know, the higher and higher you get in an organization, the less you're doing what you actually love doing. So you're running your own business, and I, I'm sure that has a, a number of challenges. I guess I'm just kind of, do you think about, is, is this what you want to do for five, ten more years? Do you think about diving back in and taking a gig somewhere as part of a team? I mean, where's your head at? What do you think? Or are you just kind of going day by day? At this point, it's kind of day by day, but I do, I mean, I, I say like I miss, the thing I miss most of all is the collaboration. Like I had the most fun at Vulture editorial meetings. Um uh, what it was just like, we'd have these idea meetings and frankly, maybe I liked it more than the writers did because I was interrupting their day and demanding they bring me like five ideas. But I loved what was just a bunch of engaged writers and editors 
sitting there and like I love that feeling when somebody would pitch an idea like well that's not quite like that's a little too on the nose and then somebody else would say something like well it's a little too high concept and then you find that moment when somebody says like what about this and suddenly you've got this fantastic idea and you just know everybody just kind of know it's going to work I, I miss that kind of team collaboration so that's kind of what I'm trying to recapture I I, I you know I really was full-time for most of my career. And I would, I had little stints where I would try freelancing and I just, I, I was never crazy about it because a, I didn't like the solitude and B I missed the collaboration. So, um, there's definitely a part of me that wants a big part of me that like at some point would like to go back to working with a regular team. So I would like that as for going back into magazines. Again, if, if the right thing I came up, I, I, I just want even at Vulture, I had the time to really dig in with a writer. Like it was hard. I used to say it was like, it was like editing while somebody chased me with an ax. So it was like, there was always this feeling of like, or the Indiana Jones ball rolling behind me that you were just on this crazy thing looming over your shoulder. But I still had time to go back and forth with a writer um, and talk and talk through an idea. I don't know if I'd stuck with that job three years later. I don't know if I would have had that time. So I'm not sure where that it exists. It exists in a, like a bunch of places, uh, I'm sure. But um, it's like not really in the entertainment space. Um, and uh, again, it's just all about sort of collaborating. And I, I love the, the spitball session. So that's the that's kind of the through line of what I what I really am, am always searching for. So you're always, your eyes are peeled, but you're, you're good where you're at for now. Yeah. I mean, I'm enjoying this. Um, and I especially enjoy again, the, the, when I'm, when I'm in there working, like it's a short stint, but talking with people and like, and whether it's doing this workshop or, or, uh, doing a longer stint with somebody, it's still, that's really gets me, uh, like I, I find when I'm talking through ideas, that's when I have my best ideas. So that's what I really love about that, uh, that kind of situation. So Josh, if people want to find out more about you, more about Fixate, where can they learn more? Yeah, they just uh, go to my website. It's fixatedigital.com. And uh, and then you can email me there or it's just josh.walk at fixatedigital.com. Excellent. Really appreciate you talking to me, Josh. This is a, a great story. You're a, an entrepreneur and an editorial star, so I appreciate you uh, <laughs> you, hop, you hopping on the phone with me today, Josh. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was my pleasure. It was great talking to you, Mike. All right. Be well. All right. You too.